Classic Horror Stories The Rats in the Walls by H.P. Lovecraft On the 16th of July 1923 I moved in ex Pari after Lars Workman had finished his labours. Restoration had been a suspenders task but little had remained of the deserted bowl. But a shell-like ruin yet despite because it had been the seat of my ancestors, I let no expense deter me. A place had been not inhabited since the reign of James I, when a tragedy of mincestidious, though largely unexplained nature, had struck down the master, five of his children, and several servants, and driven forth under a cloud of superstition and terror. The first son, my identical progenitor, and the only survivor of the old line. With this sole heir denounced as a murderer, the estate had been reverted to the crown, nor that the accused man made any attempt to exculpate himself or regain his, pro- his property, shaken by many horror, by some horror greater than that of conscience or the law, expressing only, only a frantic wish to exclude the ancient Ephesus from his sight and memory. Walter D. Lapore, 11th Elb Exham, fled to Virginia and there founded the family, which by the next century had become known as D. Delapore. Exham Pari had remained untenanted. Although later allotted to the states of the Norman's family, and much studied because of its peculiarly conspect architecture, architecture involving Gothic towers resting on a Saxon or Romanesque substructure, substructure, where foundation in turn was all was a still earlier order, a blend of all of older orders Roman, and even Druidic, or nature native Koramic. If legends speak truly, this foundation was a very singular thing, being merged on one side with solid limestone on the premises which these from whose brink the Pari overlooked a desolate valley three miles west of the village of Ancestor. Architects and Antiquulans Loved to examine this strange relic of forgotten centuries, but as country folk hated it. They hated it hundreds of years before, when my ancestors lived there. They hated it now, with a moss and mould of abandonment on it. I had been, had not been a day in Ancestor before I knew I came of an accursed house. This weak workman had blown up Expo Quarry 
I'm busy on a bursary in the traces of foundations, bare statistics of my entrancy. I'd always known, together with the fact that my first American forebearer had come to the colonies on a strange cloud of, cloud of details, however, I had been kept wholly ignorant. Though the policy of ref, reference always maintained by the Delapores, unlike our planter neighbours, we seldom boasted of crusading ancestors or other medieval and resistance heroes, nor with a kind of traditional tradition handed down, except that may have been recorded in the sealed envelope left before the Civil War by each choir to his eldest son, for posthumous opening. The glories we cherish were those achieved since the migration, the glories of pride and, uh, and honourable. Is somewhat reserved and unsocial for the Indian line. During the Tart War, our fortunes were extinguished. A whole existence changed by the burning of Califax, our home and the banks of the James. My grandfather, advanced in years, had perished in that incendiary outrage, and of him the envelope that bound us all to the past. I can recall the fire today. I saw it then. At the age of seven, with the federal soldiers shouting, the women screaming, and negroes howling and praying. My father was in the army, defending Richmond, and above all many formalities, my mother and I were passed through the lines to join him. When the war ended, we all moved north, whence my mother had came. I grew to manhood, middle age, and ultimate wealth as a stolid Yankee. Neither my father nor I knew that our heresy of envelope had contained, as I merged, the greatness of Massachusetts business life. I lost all interest in the mysteries which eventually lurked far back in my family tree. I had I suspected their nature, how gladly would have left Exmoor Barry to its moss, bats and cobwebs. My father died in 1904, but without any message to leave to me, or to my many, my only child, Alfred, a motherless boy of ten. It was this boy who reversed the order of family information, although I gave him only jesting conjectures about the past, he wrote me of some very interesting astrocentral legends. When the late war took him in England in 1917, as an aviation officer, apparently the Tillapaws had a colourful and perhaps sinister history for a friend of my son's, Captain Edward Knowles of the Royal Flying Corps, dwelt near the family seat at Ancestor and related some present superstitions which few novelists could equal for wildness and credibility. Knowles himself, of course, did not take them so seriously. But he amused my son, and he made good material for his letters to me. It was this legendary which definitely turned my attention to my transatlantic heritage, and made me resolve to purchase and resolve the family seat from Noah's showed to Alfred in his picturesque ascension, and offered to get him for me a surprising reasonable figure for, for him a surprising reasonable offer. Figure, reasonable figure, since his own uncle was a present owner. 
I brought Exum Zwari in 1918. I was almost immediately distracted. Distracted my plans of resolution by the return of my son as a maimed invalid. During the two years that he lived, I found nothing but his care, having even placed my business under the direction of partners. In 1921, I found myself bereaved and aimless. A retired manufacturer, no longer young, I resolved to devote my recent remaining years with with my new possession, visiting Anchester in December, I was entertained by Captain Earls, a plump, admirable young man, who had thought much of my son, and secured his assistance in gathering plans, antidotes to guide in the coming restoration. Exham Flurry itself I saw without emotion, a jumble of tottering medieval wearings, covered with leeches and alagoon with nests, perched perilously upon a precipice, and denuded, nuded, noted of floors, or other interior features, gave the stone walls of the separate towers. As I gradually recovered the image of the Ephesus, as, as it had been when my ancestors left it over three centuries before, again the higher workman for resurrection. In every case I was forced to go outside, Immediate locality for the ancestor villages had a most unbelievable fear, hatred for the place. The settlement was so great that it was sometimes communicated to outside labourers, causing numerous desertions, whilst its scope appeared to include both the Bari and its ancient family. My son had told me that he was somewhat avoided during his visits because he was a poor. I now found myself subtly ostracised like, for a like reason, while I contrived the presence. How I little I knew little of, I knew of my heritage, even when they sulked disliked me. So that I had to collect most of the village traditions through the meditation of their heirs. When the people could not forgive, perhaps, was that I had come to his door a symbol so horror to them. For rationally or not, they view Exmoor Barry as nothing less than a thought of fiends and werewolves, piercing together the tales of their heads collected for me, and supplementing them to the accounts of several servants who had studied the ruins. I deduced that Exmoor Barry stood on the site of its prehistoric temple, a geological or anti-geological thing, which must have been contemporary with the Stonehenge, that indescribable rites been celebrated here. Few doubted there were unpleasant tales of transference of these rituals into the celebrable worship where the Romans had which the Romans had induced. Inscriptions still visible from the subbor such unmistakable letters as Devi, Ops, Magai, Mat, Sign of the Maga Mata which dark worship was only once vaguely, vainly forbidden to Roman citizens. Ancestor in the camp of the third Augustine legend, as many remains attest. It is said that the temple of the Celebi was a splendid and thronged worshippers who performed nameless ceremonies and the bidding of Palerian priest. Times added that the fall of the old regent 
religion did not end with the orgies of the temple, but that the priests lived on the new faith without real change. Likewise, it said that the rites did not vanish from the Roman Empire, as certain among the Saxons added to what remained of the temple, and gave it essential outline, it separately preserved, making it the centre of the cult, feared through half the heresy. About 1000 AD, places mentioned in the Chronicle, being a substantial stone priory, housing a strange and powerful monastic order, and surrounded by extensive gardens, and needed no walls to exclude a fighting populace. It was ever destroyed, but never destroyed by the Danes, though after the Roman conquest it might have declined tremendously, since there was no impediment when the Henry III granted the site my sister Gilbert Dallara Pole, first Baron Exmoor, um, in twelve sixty one. Of my family before this date here is no evil report, but something strange must have happened then. In one chronicle there is a reference to the poor the poor as a curse of God in thirteen oh seven when the village legendary had nothing but evil and frantic fear of the till the castle went up foundations of the old temple and priory. The fireside tales were most ghastly description, all the ghastly, because they frightened resilience and cloudy evasiveness. They resembled my ancestors, the question representing my ancestors of race of heresy, demons besides, whom goals de reef Marcus de Sade would make the various typos, and hinted visibly their responsibility for the occasional disappearance of villagers through several generations. Both characters apparently were the barons and their direct heirs, at least most was wished about these. If all healthy incarnations, it said, an heir would uh, would early and mysteriously die and make way for another more typical Sion. It seemed to be an occult in the family presided over by head of the house, and sometimes closed except to a few members. The trans- temperament rather than ancestry was evidently the basis of this cult, for it entered by several who married into the family, Lady Margaret Trevor from Cornwall, wife of Godfrey, a second son of the fifth baron, made a bizarre, made, became a favourite bane of film all over the countryside, a demon heroine, or a particularly horrid old ballad, not yet extinct near the world's order, preserved in the ballerandy too. Though not illustrating the same point, his head is tell Lady Mary de, de la Pora, who shortly after her marriage to the Earl of Shrewsfield was killed by him, and his mother, both of theirs, being resolved and blessed by the priest of whom they confessed what they dared not repeat to the world. These myths and ballads, typical as they were cruel with suspicion, repelled me greatly. Their persistence and their application, so long a line in my ancestors, were especially annoying, whilst importations of monstrous habits proved unpleasantly reminiscent of my own, very own scandal, my Immediate forebear is the case of my cousin, young Rudolf de Pole of Califax, who went along among the Negroes again, voodoo priests, after he returned from the Mexican War. 
I am much less disturbed by the vague tales of wails and howlings in the wiring. Winset walked well beneath the limestone cliff of gravestone, graveyard stenches over the spring rains, a floundering, squeaking white thing on which Sir John's clave house had trod one night in a lonely field with a servant who had gone mad as he saw in the plurry in that fall like the day. These things were hacked-eyed spectral law, and was at the time a pronounced skeptic. I was at the time a renounced skeptic. The accounts of vanished peasants were less to be dismissed, though not essentially significant in view of medieval custom. Prying curiosity meant death, and the more one than one severed head had been publicly shown of the bastions now infested around Exham Priory. A few of the old tales were exceedingly picturesque. I mean, we wish I learnt more than comparative mythology in my youth. There was an instance of proclaimed belief of the legend, legion of bat-winged devils kept witches' sabbath each night. Priory a legend, legion who subsequently might explain the disproportionate abundance of coarse vegetables harvested in wild gardens, and most vivid of all, were the dramatic epic of the rats scampering army of the beast vermin, of seeing vermin who had burst forth from the castle three months after the tragedy that, that had doomed it to desertion, a lean, filthy, ravenous army which had swept all before it, devoured foul cats, dogs, hogs, sheep, and even two hapless human beings before its fury was spent. Around that unforgivable Roman army, a whole separate cycle of myths revolves, it, for it scattered among the villages' homes and brought curses and horrors in its train. Such was the law that it sailed me as I pushed to completion with only obscenity, obscenity, the work of restoring my ancient home. It must not be imagined for a moment that these tales formed my principal psychological environment. On the other hand, I was constantly praised, encouraged by Captain Noel's and Antiquarians, who surrounded and aided me. When the task was done, over two years after its commencement, I viewed the great rooms, wainscoted walls, vaulted ceilings, mullet windows, broad staircases, were wide, which fully compensated for pretentious expense of, re- for the, of the restoration. Every aperture of the Middle Ages was cunningly reproduced. The new parts dwelled perfectly with the original walls and foundations. The seat of my father's was complete. I looked forward to redeeming at last the local fame of the line which ended in me. I now reside here permanently and proved that Le De La Poire, which I adopted again in the original spelling of the name, need not be a fiend. My comfort was always augmented by the fact that, although Isomar Pari was immediately fitted, his terror was of truth, wholly new, and free from old vermin and ghosts alike. As I have said, I moved in on the 16th of January, 1923. My household considered seven servants and mine cats, of which latter species I'm particularly fond. My oldest cat, Niggerman, was seven years old, came from me with me from my home in Bolton, Massachusetts. The others I had 
committed a living Captain Norris's family during the restoration of the party. For five days our routine proceeded with the utmost pedicidity, my time being spent greatly in a cold dissolution of old family data. I now attained some very substantial accounts of final tragedy and flight of William de la Porre, which I contrived to be the pro- pro- probable contents of the heresy that paper found lost in the fire at Carfax. I appeared that my ancestor was accused of some reason of having killed all the other members of his household, except four servant confederates, in his sleep about two weeks before, after a shocking suffering which changed his whole demeanour, of which, except for by implication, discovered that to no one save perhaps the servants who assisted him, Love was fled beyond reach, a deliberate slaughter which included her father. Three brothers and two sisters were largely condoned by the villagers and so sadly treated by the law that permutator escaped honour, unharmed and distinguished to Virginia. The important general whisper sentiment being that he purged the land from a moral curse. That discovery had prompted an act so terrible I could scarcely see even con- conjecture. Walter de la Lapore must have been known for years, the sinister tales about his family, so that this material could have given him no fresh impulse. Had he then witnessed some appalling ancient rite, stumbled upon some frightful revealing symbol, powering all its facility, he was reputed to have been a shy, gentle youth in England. Virginia, he seemed not so much hard or bitter or as arrested and apprehensive. He was spoken in the diary of another gentleman of interest, Francis Harley of Bellevue, as a man of its unexampled justice, honour, and delicacy. On the 22nd of July occurred the first incident which, though lightly dismissed at the time, seen takes an apparent tonal nature significance in relation to later events. So uh, as possible, simple as it almost negligible, and not only possible, had been noticed under the circumstances. For it must be recalled that since I was in the building, practically fresh and new, except for the walls, and surrounded by a well balanced group, so soft of servitors, apprehension would have been absurd despite the locality. What I am, I, I, what I afterwards remember, merely. This is that my old black cat, whose moves I knew so well and undoubtedly alert and anxious, so stent wholly out of keeping his natural character. He rode uh, from room he roamed rode from room to room, rest and disturbed, sniffed sniffed constantly about the walls, which formerly part of the Gothic structure. I realise how trite this sounds like an evident dog in the ghost story, which can always growls before his master sees the seated figure, yet I cannot constantly suppress it. Then the following day, a servant complained of restlessness among all the cats in the house. He came to me at my study, a lofty rest room in the second story with the groined arches, black oak panelling and a triple gothic window overlooking the limestone cliff and desolate valley. Even as he spoke, I saw the jetty form of, of nigger man creeping 
along the west wall, a scratching at the new panels which overlaid the ancient stone. I told the men that it must be a single odour of exhalation from the old stonework, impeccably of human senses, but affecting the delicate organs of cats, even though the, through the new woodwork. This I truly believed when a fellow suggested the presence of mice or rats. I mentioned there had been no rats here since for three hundred years, that even the field mice of the surrounding country could be hardly be heard in these high walls when they had never been known to stay. This afternoon I stayed, called on Captain Norris. He assured me that it would be quite incredible for field mice to infest the priory in such a sudden and unprecedented fashion. That night, dispersing as usual with a valet, I tied to the west tower, chamber which I had chosen as my own, reached full of a Sunday from the study of my stone staircase and short gallery by the former but partly ancient, a latter entirely restored. This room was circular, very high, without whiskering, being hung from our arras, which I myself had chosen in London. Seeing that the nigger boy was with me, nigger man was with me, I shut the curvy coffee door, retired, turned by the light of the electric bulbs, which so clearly counterfeited candles, funny switching off the light and sinking to the carved and canopied four poster with a vulnerable cat in his accustomed place near my feet. I did not draw the curtains, but gazed out the narrow window which I faced. Which I faced. There was a suspicion of an aura, aurora in the sky and the delicate tracings of the window were pleasantly silhouetted. At the time I must have been fallen quietly asleep, for a cool sense, direct, distinct sense of leaving strange dreams, when the cat started violently from its placid position. I saw him in the faint lower glow, head strained towards forward, four feet at my ankles, a hind feet, Behind, stretched behind. He was looking intensely at a point of the wall, somewhat west of the window, a point of which my eye had nothing to mark it, but towards which all attention was now directed. As I watched, I knew that the nigger man was not uh, faintly incited. Whether the was actually moved, I cannot say. I think it did, very slightly, but what I can swear is behind it. I heard a low, distinct surling, curring of rat as of rats or mice. In a decent moment, the cat would jump boldly, the screaming, screaming tapestry during the effect, detection to the floor with his from with his weight, exposing the damp ancient wall of stone, patched here there by resident stores, devoid of any trace of radiant prowlers. Nigger man raced up and down the floor by his part of the wall, clawing and fallen auras, and seemingly trying to at times insert a hole between the wall and the oaken floor. He found nothing, and after a time returned wearily to his place across my feet. I had not moved, but I did not sleep again that night. In the morning I questioned all the servants, and found none of them had noticed anything unusual, save the cook remember the old actions of cat which rested on uh, on a windscreen still window still this cat had howled at some unknown hour 
At night, awaking the cook in the time, for her to see him dart purposely out the open door, down the stairs. I dozed away, and I dozed away the night, noontime, and in the afternoon, called call me again on Captain Norris, who became exceedingly interested in what I told him. The odd instance was so slight, yet so curiously appealed to his sense of picturesque and elicited from him a number of reminiscences of local ghost law, ghostly law. We were generally perplexed at the presence of rats and lovers, sent me some traps and Paris cream, which I had the servants placed in strategic locations, which when I returned, I returned early, very became very sleepy, but I was roused by dreams of the most horrible sort. I seemed to be looking down from an immense height, but no good trail, grotty, knee-deep with filth. There a snow-white demon, bearded demons, swineherd, drove, but with his staff, a flock of fungi, flabby beasts, whose appearance filled me, uttermost loathing. Then, as the swineherd passed and nodded over his task, a warm Mighty swarm of rats rained down the sinking abyss and fell to the devouring beasts and men alike. From this terrific vision, I was abruptly awakened by the motions of Nigger Man, who had been sleeping as usual across my feet. This time, I did not make, have to question the selfish snarls and hisses, and the fear which made him sink his claws into my ankle, unconscious of effect on the very side of the chamber. The walls were alive with noiseless sound, with endless slivering of ravenous gigantic rats. There was no aura to show the state of the uh, arrest, a fallen section of which had been replaced. I was not too frightened to switch on the light. As the bowl swept in radiance, I saw a mysterious Satan all over the tapestry, causing the somewhat peculiar designs to execute the singular dance of death. This motion disappeared almost at once, the sound of it. Spreading bringing out of, of bed, I poked at the arrows in the long, the long handle of a warming bed. It rested near, and lifted one section to see what lay beneath. There was nothing that the patched stone wall, and even the cat had lost his tense visualisation of normal presence. Which I examined, when I examined the circle trap that had been placed in the room, I found all the openings sprung, though no trace remained of what had been caught and escaped. Further sleep was out of the question. So lightly, so lighting candle, I opened the door and went out of the gallery towards the stairs. This is my study. Nigger men following my, my, at my heels. Between, before we had reached the stone steps, however, a cat darted ahead of me and vanished under the ancient flight. As I descended the sta- stairs myself, I found some reware the sounds of the great room below, sounds of a nature which could not which could not be mistaken. The oak panelled walls were alive with rats, scampering and milling a whilst nigger man was racing about with a fury of a baffled hunter. Reaching the bottom, I twitched on the light, which they did this, which did not this time cause the noise to succeed. The rats continued to write, impeding, and with such false distinctness, they would rather, I could finally assign to their emotions and 
definite direction. These creatures in numbers apparently irresistible, well arranged in one suspendous migration, which inconceivably heightens to some depth conceivably or inclusively beyond. I now heard the steps in the hall corridor. In another moat, two servants pushed apart open the magic door. They're searching the house for some unknown source of disturbance. With his known all the cats in the slanting pace. Panic. Which had thrown all the cats in a slanted panic and caused them to plunge predecessively down several flights of stairs and squat yelling as they closed the door to the sub-cellar. I asked them as they heard the rats but they replied in the negative and when I turned to call their attention to the sounds of the panel I heard that the noise had ceased. With the two men I let down, went down to the door the sub-cellar but found the cats already dispersed. Later resulted to the floor the crept below but all the present I merely made around of the tape traps all were hung all were tentless satisfying myself that no one had heard the rats save the females and me i left my study to morning and thinking profoundly and recalling every scrap of legend i had unearthed concerning the building i inhibited i i slept some of the thought that for i'm pushing leaning back cold one comfortable library chair, which my ancient medley pan or searching could not find it vanish. Later, I found a phone Captain Norrells, who came out over and helped me to explore the subcellar. Nothing, absolutely nothing towards was found, though. We could not repress a thrill at the knowledge that this vault had been built by Roman hands. Every low arch and massive pillar was Roman, not to the base of Roman excavating of Saxons, but severe and anonymous classification. The age of Caesars, indeed, the walls were bounded with inscriptions familiar to the Aquacrans, who repeatedly explored the place things like a pig. Get, get AFE from Tem Donne and La Pereg Vazes Polylift ATYS. A reference of ATYS made me shiver by Red Callius. I knew something of the hideous rites of the Eastern God, whose worship was so mixed with, the, with that of the Colobi. Now, Ailes and I were light of lanterns, trying to interpret the old nearly a feet effortive designs on certainly irregularly rectangled blocks of stone, friendly held up by hoods, but could not make nothing of them. We remember that old one pattern of short over age sun was held by the students to reply in the non Roman origin, suggesting that the, these altars were merely adopted by Roman priests from some order, and perhaps a original temple on the same time. On one of these blocks was some brown stains, which made me wonder the largest in the centre of the room, as certain features under, under surface indicated connection of fire, probably burnt offerings. Well, we were sites of the crypt before, whose door the cats held when Norris and I maintained a pass the night. Crutches were 
couches were brought down by the servants who were told not to find mind any notable actions of the cats and nigger men or was admitted as much as to help as for compa- as for companionship. We decided to keep the door a modern replica which sits from ventilation tightly closed and we've attended to retired with lanterns still burning await until whatever might occur. Vault was very deep in the foundations of Brari, undoubtedly far down the face of the beetling limestone cliff overlooking the waste valley, but it had been gold scruffling and unexplainable rats. I could not doubt, though why I could not tell. As we lay there expectantly, I found my visual occasionally mixed with half-found dreams, which were the easy emotions of the cat across my feet could rouse me. These dreams were not wholesome but horrible like the one I had the night before I saw again a twit twilight grotto, the Syrian head with his unmentionable fungus beasts swallowing the filth, and as I looked at those things they seemed nearer and quite distinct, so distinct I could almost deserve the features. When I did deserve the flabby features of one of them awakened with some such a scream that Niggerman started up while Captain Norris would not slept, laughed considerably. Norris might have laughed, not more, perhaps less than what he know, what he, what it was that made me scream. But I did not remember itself. For later, out of horror, often parallel the memory in a most way, Norris brought me in, wake me when the phenomenon began. Right out of the same fearful dream, I was called by the gentle shaking. It's urging to listen to the cats. Indeed, it's much to listen to, for beyond the closed wall, door the height, head of stone of steps with a virtually nightmare of feline yelling and clawing, whilst night nigger man, man a mindful of his kindred outside, was running suddenly round the bare stone walls in which I heard the same babble of scurrying rats had troubled me the night before. An acute terror now rose within me, for there were unremoralities which nothing normal could well explain. These rats, if not creatures of menace, which are shared with the cats alone, must be burying and sliding Rome's walls. I had thought these solid limestone blocks, unless perhaps the action of water through them had so centuries beaten weathering tunnels which rodents had worn clear and ample. But even so, the spectacle of horror was no less for if those were living vermin. And why not? They was hearing this dis- their disgusting commotion. Why did he urge me? Why did he urge me to watch nigger men and listen to cats outside? And why did he guess wildly and vaguely at what could have aroused them? By the time I managed to tell him how rational I could, and I thought I was hearing my ears that gave me the most fading impression of scurrying, which I retreated still downward. I s- further underneath this steepness of subfolds, for it seemed to be all, if it's the whole cliff below was riddled with curing, questing rats. No, it was not a scaptal, so I appreciated. But indeed, Instead, seemed profoundly moved. He motioned to me in the notice that the cats at the door ceased their clamour, as if giving up the rats for lost. 
And he was swing a man where the bottom renewed most of us. He was clawing frankly around the bottom of the large stone, also in the centre of the room, which, which was nearer Norris couch than mine. I fear the unknown was this point, at this point very great. Something astounding had occurred. I saw that Captain Norris, a younger, stouter, and presumably more naturally materialistic man, affected fully as much as myself, perhaps because of my lifelong and intimate familiarity with local legends, that he could have, for the moment, no, do nothing but watch the old black cat as he poured with deceasing fervour a base of the altar, Occasionally looking up or moving, moving to me the, the perceiving manner that he used when he wished me to perform some favour for him. Now took a blend and close to the altar and examined the place where the nigger man was pouring, silently kneeling and scraping away the lynchings of the sentries which joined the massive free Roman block of the tessellated floor. He did not find anything that made was about to abandon his efforts when I noticed the triple circumstance which made me shudder, even though it implied nothing more than I would have imagined. I told I told of him of it. We both looked at the almost impeccable manifestation with the thickness of fascinating discovery in the compartment. It was only this that the flame of the lantern set down near the altar was slightly but certainly flickering the draught of air which it did not have before received, and which came doubly from the double crevice between the floor and altar where Norris was scraping violations. We spent the rest of the night in the brilliantly lit study, nervously discussing what we could do next we should do next, discovering that some deep vault deeper, a deepest known masonry of the Romans, unlaid its accursed pole, some vault unexpected of curious origins of three centuries, would have been significant to sight us without any background to the of the sinister. As it was a fascination came twofold, and we paused in doubt whether to abandon our search and quit the party forever in superstitious caution, or to gratify a sense of venture and brave whatever horrors might await us and in the unknown depths. One well, morning we were com- compromised and decided to go to London rather and gather a group of archaeologists and scientific men to cope with the mystery. It should have been mentioned that before leaving the subsetter, we had vainly tried to move this central altar, which we now recognise as the gate to the new pit on the nameless fear. What secret would open the gate? Wiser men than we would have would have to find. During many days in London, Captain Norris and I presented our facts, conjectures, and literary antidotes to five element authorities, all men who might be trusted to respect any family disclosures with future expectations might develop. He found that most of them little disposed to scoff, but instead of being intensely interested and severely sympathetic. It's hardly necessary to name them all, but I may say that they, they included Sir Roger Sir William Benton, whose excavations in the toad excited most of the world in their day. As we all took the train to Anchester, I felt myself poised on the brink of frightful revelations, sensations symbolised by the air mounting among the many Americans, and expected death of the President on the other side of the world. On that evening of 7th of August, we reached Exmoor Ham Priory, 
where the servants assured me there was nothing unusual that occurred. A cat, even old, old, old nigger man, had been perfectly placid. Another trap in the house had been sprung. We began exploring the following day, waiting for which I signed well-appointed rooms to all my guests. I myself retired to my own tower chamber with nigger men across my feet. Sleep came quickly, but hideous dreams assailed me. It was a vision of a man Roma feast, like that of Trilminico, with a horror of a covered plate. When came the damn recurrent thing about the swine's head and his filthy drove in a twilight grotto, yet I had, when I woke I was still full daylight with the noise, noise and sounds in the house below. A rat's living or spectral had not troubled me. Nigger man was still quietly asleep. While going down, I found the same tranquility that prevailed elsewhere, a condition which one of the assembled servants, a fellow named Fulton, devoted to the physical psychic, rather certainly laid to the fact he had not been, had only been shown the thing which certain forces wished to show me. All was now ready. About eleven, at eight, eleven a.m., our entire group of seven men, bearing powerful electric searchlights and implements of action, went down to the subcellar and bolted the door behind us. Nigger man was up with us, for the investigators found no evidence to spice psychability. It was indeed anxious and present in case of seen obscure rodent rodent manifestations. We noted the Roman inscriptions and unknown altar designs and only briefly afraid of servants had already had already seen them and all knew the characteristics. Prime attention paid to the mentorous central altar. And within an hour Sir William Binton had caused it to talk backwards, balanced by some unknown colleagues or counterweight. Now there lay revealed of such horror would be overwhelmed us were we not prepared through a nearby square, opening the tiled floors, sprawling on the flight of stairs, stone steps, so procuriously worn, a little more than an inclined plane in the centre, with a glassy ray of human, semi-human bones. They retained their coloration as skeletons, shown attitudes of panic, fear, and all over were the marks of radiant gnawing, the skulls denoting nothing short of icy, utter urgency, criticism of primitive semi them. Above the hellish littered steps, arched and descendingly passage seemingly chiselled from the solid rock and conducting the air, current of air. This current was not a sudden and noxious rushes from the close of the vault, a call on these is something that refreshes in it. We not pulled long, the shivering bar began to clear a passage down the steps. It is then that Sir William, examining the whole walls, made the odd observation that the passage according to the direction the strokes must have been chiselled from beneath. I almost be very deliberate now, I choose my words, after ploughing down a few steps amidst the gnawed white bones, we saw that it was light ahead, not any mystic fluorescence, but a filtered daylight which did not come except from unknown fissions in the cliff that overlooked the waste lily. With such fusions that escaped notice from overcome 
was hardly recognizable. Not in here, a valley would hardly inhabitable, but the cliff is so high and beetling, only in a lineament would survey its face in detail. A few more, a few steps more, our breaths would literally snatched away from what we saw, so literally that Sultan, a psychic investigator, actually framed his arm of the dozen men who stood beside him. Notice his pump face, utterly white and flabby, simply cried out in echo in particularly whilst I think that what I did was a grass a hiss, I covered my eyes, and my hand mind me only one of the old party older than I croaked the hacked eyed my God in the most croaked, cracked voice I've ever heard. A seven cultured man, only Sir William Brinton, who maintained his his composure, a thing more to credit before he led the party, must have seen the sight first. It was a twilit grotto of enormous height, stretching away further than any eye could see, Serenbernia's world of luminous mystery, and mystery horrible suggestion. The buildings, other architectural remains, in one terrified glance, I saw while pattern turmoil, a strange circle of Batmanimoths, a load domed a Roman ruin, a roaring section pile, an early English Ephesus in wood, but all they were dwarfed by the gaudy spectacle preserved by the general surface of the bone. For yards above the steps ascended an insane tangle of human bones, or bones at least as human as they were. These on the steps, like a foamy sea, they stretched from part from part, others wholly are partly actualized as skeletons, whose latter invalidity postures of demonic frenzy, either fancying off those menacing or clutching other forms with cannibal intent. When Dr. Task, the anthropologist, stopped to classify the skulls, he found it a greedy mixture which utterly buffered him. It mostly lower than a pit down man in scale evolution. But in every case of the definitely human, many were higher grade, a few more the skulls are supremely and simply developed type, all the bones are gnawed, mostly perhaps by somewhat of by others, the other half human drove. Mixed with them were many tiny bones of rabbit rats. Full members of lethal army which closed the ancient epic. I wonder that any other man among us lived, as kept his sanity through the hideous days of earth discovery. Not Hoffman, nor Hoffman's could receive a scene where the wildly incredible, more frenetic repellent, even more grotesque, a toilet groom, Goto, which, though which we seven staggered, each stumbling on the revolution, after revelation, and trying to keep it from the nouts, from taking of the events which must have taken place there three hundred or a thousand or two thousand or ten thousand years ago. If it was an antechamber of hell and Paul Thomas fainted once again, then the task told him that some of the skeleton things must be descended as quadrupeds, though they last twenty or more generations. Horror piled upon horror as we began to interrupt the archaeological remains of quadrupeds 
things that had occasional recruits from the viper glass had been kept in stone pens out of which they must have broken their last adurium hunger wet fear there had been great herds of them right evidently flattened of course vegetables whose remains we found as a sort of poisonous enfilage at the bottom of the huge stone bins old in rome i knew not how or why my ancestors had such excessive gardens would it be heaven? I could I could not forget. The sole purpose of herds, I did not have to ask. Sir William, standing with his searchlight in a moment, Roman, translated aloud the most shocking ritual I ever known, and told a diet of an antediluvian cult, where the priests of Sully found and mingled with their own noise, used, used as he was on the terraces could not walk straight when he came out of the English building. It was a family butcher shop and a kitchen. He expected that, that but but it was too much to see familiar English infants in such a place. The read familiar English graffiti here. Summer, summers of recent at 1610 would go to the building at building whose demon activities stopped only to be dagger my ancestor. William D. Thorpe, I did venture to enter. Uh, it was a low Saxon building whose oaken door and fallen, where I found a terrible row of ten stone cells from broken with rusty bars. Three had tenants, all scholars of high grade, and a bony forefinger, as I found as still wing from my old coat of arms. So William found a vault for four older cells below the edge chapel. These cells were empty. Beyond them was a low crypt and cases of formerly arranged bones, some of them bearing some terrible parallels and scriptures, carved in Latin, Greek, and the tongue of Pologia. Meanwhile, Dr. Tarsoff opened one of the prehistoric terminal and brought to light skulls that were slightly more human than gorillas, which bore in describable graph garments. Through all, it, through all this horror, my cat stalked and perturbed. Once I saw him munchly perched atop of my antenna bones, I wondered at the secrets that might lie behind his yellow eyes. Having grasped to have slight degree of frightening revolutions of this twilight area and an area so suddenly overshadowed by recent recurrent dream, we turned that apparent boundless depth of un, a midnight cavern where no ray of light from the cliff could penetrate. We shall never we shall never know what sightless southern worlds yawn beyond the little distance we went. Paul, it was decided that much such secrets were not good for mankind. There was plenty of ghosts us but close at hand, and we had not gone far before the searchlight showed in cursed infinity of pits in which the rats had feasted whose sudden lack of repression had driven the reverence of rodent rat army to turn the living herds of starving things, and then to burst forward from the parry in the agonic oily devastation, which her peasants will never forget. God, those chimerians and black curtains! Black crimson black pits of sword, picked bones and open skulls, those nightmare chasms choked with a pit. Cafe and blood, Selkic, 
Celtic, Roman, and English bones of countless unhallowed centuries. Some were all full, and none could say how deep they had been. Others had still bottomless to our searchlights, and people by unnamed fancies, while which I thought of the hapless rats stumbled into the traps that traps amidst the blackness of their crest in this grisly tartarius. Once a foot slipped near a holy yawning brink, I had a moment of ecstatic fear. I must have been musing a long time, for I could not see any of the party but plump Captain Norris. Then there came a sound about the inky brownness. Further distance that I saw, I thought I knew. I saw not my old cat dart past me, where a winged Egyptian god straight into the illuminated gulf of the unknown. But he is not far behind, for those were no doubt another second. It is a little rich scurrying, which fiend like born, or those fiend born rats almost crushing the new horrors and determined to leave me to even those grinning caverns of earth's centre with Nina Fo-ya Lafavep, the mad madness god, howled blindly in the darkness of the piping the two animus idiot flute players. My searchlights expired, but while I was still run, I heard voices and yells and echoes but above me, all there gently rose in imperious, insidious, scurrying, gently rising rising as a stiff bloated corpse gently rises from oily river that flows under the endless ox rivers to a dark polluted sea something bumped into me something soft and plump it must have been the rats the vicious gratuitous ravenous army that faced the dead and living why should rats eat eat the poray as a depory forbidden things War at my boy, damn it all, the Yanks are at Calfax, and the flames of burnt grand desire deplore. And the secret, no, no, I tell you, I am not that demon swine-eyed in the twilight grotto. I am not Edward Nay's fat face on that shabby figure's thing. Nor, says I, am I did Poe. I, he lived, that, but my boy died. Still a Norris held the land of the depot. It's voodoo, I tell you, and that spotted snake, curse you, Fulton. I'll teach you to faint, oh, that what my family do. So blood and, and I'll stink at. I learn you, you how to discuss. Woody dee stinky, da, me unlike was. Mega, mega mata, mega mata. Etes de lelade, aga hadan, da, ada odorem, agas da suturum, aort. Dores, Dores, Ot, Aglas, Let, Alium, Uglium, Aglantishishi. This is what I, they say, I said when they found me in the blackness about after three hours. Found me crouching in the blackness under the, over the plump, half-eaten body, Captain Norris, with my own cat leaping and tearing at my throat. Now they have blown up Exmoor Parry, taken my own nigger man away from me, and shut me into this abarred room. The handwell with fearful fears, whispers with fearful whispers about my inheritance and my experience. Fulton is in the next room, but they have prevented me from talking to him. They are trying to suppress most of the facts concerning the priority. When I speak to the poor Norris, and they accuse me of this historic thing, 
But then you must know I did not that I do not I did not do it do it. They must know it was rats, the slivering slimy rats, whose scurrying will never let me sleep. A demon rats a race between the paddling of this friend's room and beckon me down to the great horrors which I never known. The rats are never here. The rats, the rats in the wall.